This is Megan Shoemaker, and you're listening to Free, the podcast, where together we can explore how to design our lives more in line with our values, and as a result, find our own personal freedom so that we can live a life full of purpose, fun, adventure, and wonder. Let's get ready to feel more free. I'm so excited to introduce you to my next guest and mindset mentor. She is someone who I believe is the epitome of speaking her truth. As we talk about in the episode, she refused to be a victim of her circumstances. If you've ever listened to her podcast, which is absolutely one of my favorites, you'll know she doesn't hide from herself or her life experiences. And that's one of the things that I like most about her. She puts it all out there. From living through sexual assault, to illness from an eating disorder, to even ending up in jail from a toxic relationship, taking the fall for somebody else's crime. She's the picture of authenticity. I admit that at one point as a listener of her podcast that I wondered if it was scripted in some way because I thought there's no way she could be that insightful in the moment on her show and articulate things in such a clear way. But after having a couple of live conversations with her, I realized that really is how she is. Not only is she super kind and easy to talk to, but she genuinely does seem to grasp the deeper meaning of things. She brings on expert guests in different areas, but it's clear to me that she has her own level of expertise and her deeper understanding of herself didn't just come from a piece of paper with a degree or a certification alone. It came from her somewhat extreme life experiences and her refusal to give up on herself. In this episode, we talk about how to recognize if you have a limiting belief and how they're tied to our emotions. We talk about the law of attraction and not only how to see what can be labeled as a negative experience, like even something as extreme as a pandemic and losing your job, and how to turn that into a beneficial belief. And finally, some steps that you can take to follow your intuition toward your passion, whether you know what that is at this point or not, and actually enjoy the process along the way. I have to admit that I was really nervous about this interview. She's the first person that I've had on this show who I didn't know in some way personally, but I had so many breakthrough moments of my own, about my own fears, my own limiting beliefs. So Stick around until the end where I talk about how I've been integrating the strategies that she talks about into my own life. I'm so super excited to share this conversation with you. My name is Melissa Monti and I am host of a podcast called Mind Love. I have a pretty extensive background in jobs. I was one of those people who was always seeking something new. And so when I would meet people that had the same job for like 15 years, I'm like, how do you not get bored and want to move on? And so for a long time, I thought of that as a flaw because I thought I just couldn't be like that loyal employee that actually worked her way up in any company. I was always starting at the bottom. But what I ended up realizing is that looking back in hindsight now, all of those jobs really laid out exactly what I was meant to do. So I'm really glad that I was following I call it pulling the threads of my own interests and passions because now all of those skills are really wrapped up in the marketing of my podcast, how I help other people kind of find their purpose and overcome trauma. And so everything really does happen for a reason, but now I am 
uh, hosting a podcast. I started with that. And from that, I spawned the rest of my business and really just figured out what lit me up through the process. Um, and then saw what people were asking for and created different offerings based on that. Mm. I love that because I relate so much. I relate so much to what you're saying. I feel like I've had a lot of different experiences and I can't quite see how they fit together yet. Um, But I do know that they are or they eventually will. But I do feel really honored to have you on the show. One, because I've benefited so much from your podcast and the content that you cover on Mind Love. I'm kind of a spirit junkie too. And it goes down that realm of universal laws and looking more at the mystical side of things, which I love. But also because I see your success with it and I hope for that success myself. And I would just say things hadn't necessarily come easy for you based on the things that you share about yourself on Mind Love. And I think a lot of people can really relate to you. You know, things weren't handed to you. You had a lot to work through. And here you are with so much success doing what it seems like what you really love, which I think that we're all kind of striving for that idea. At least I am. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the obstacles that you had to face on your journey that brought you to where you are today? For sure. I mean, they're kind of twofold. There's the personal trauma and then there's just the difficulty in building something or finding what does light you up and how to actually bring success with that. And so it's interesting because I didn't know about the law of attraction or the universal laws of of the energy you put out is the energy that you receive at all. But looking back, I can see how everything really played out. And it started with a trauma out of my control. I was sexually assaulted in high school. And then I didn't realize how much that affected my worth and what I believed about my body. And that ended up spiraling more things out of my control. Life happened. My dad died. I lost a friend to suicide. Just a lot for a young person that had never had to overcome anything really before. (laughs) My life was just kind of normal. I was good at school. And uh, so I did allow myself to spiral for a really long time. And even while I was climbing out of the depths of my own despair, I was still spiraling in a lot of ways. I partied way too long, like late into my 20s. When I was still in yoga teacher training, I would leave yoga teacher training and go to a a party and do a bunch of party drugs. (laughs) And so um, it was definitely a journey. But through that, I also discovered entrepreneurship. I had made certain mistakes and I had, I think part of it was the life that I had created for myself wasn't really an At that point, the life I had created for myself wasn't necessarily one that I wanted, but it was one where I couldn't follow a necessary structure. So working for other people felt unbearable. I didn't, I've never really liked authority. If somebody tells me what to do and doesn't give me a complete reason, I am not going to do it. And I'm going to annoy them until they give me the reason. (laughs) So I'm just like not the best employee. Uh, So I started to find my, find myself doing little side things and just wanting to learn. And and I love learning. And so it was this side-by-side journey of discovering entrepreneurship and discovering that there was another way to do things, which was also really pivotal and healing because I think if I wouldn't have also been following people carving their own path, I would have started to believe that something was inherently wrong with me Mm. because of 
all that had been going on and all the things I couldn't live up to in the standard way of being. So as I was doing those things, I tried a bunch of different things. I tried a travel blog and I had learned enough about uh, digital marketing that I could get traction on these things. I started an e-commerce website. I was designing apps for a while. And that one, I was actually working for somebody and reminded why I can't. And, <laughs> and it was, it was just really difficult. And th those were the times when I was like, am I meant to even be successful? Like I thought when I was younger, but I always had the seedling of hope that I was meant for something a little bit more. So I kept trying. And at one point I got so fed up of building somebody else's dream that I was like, okay, I need to start something on the side. I was working for somebody who was a pretty terrible boss. And I started a little side project of, of discovering who I was. And so I actually would buy books on finding your purpose. And I finally started doing the exercises instead of just assuming that because I consumed the content that somehow it was going to integrate into my life. I had to apply it to my life. And through this, I started to find little seedlings of things that actually interested me and finding the patterns of what always lit me up when I was talking about or what people came to me for. And all of the, a lot of those things were not necessarily in that current role. So through just a lot of push and pull and blending those things together, I had the idea of mind love. And it was just so different from anything else that I had ever started. There was an extra amount of confidence because I had did the work to make sure that it was right for me instead of just seeing if it was a profitable path. And so rather than chasing the money, I was chasing my passion. And through that, I ended up finding people that were more authentically me that wanted to listen to my story and making connections with people that wanted to connect with me. And it was just coming from such a different place that I really think that that is why it was so successful because not only is my authenticity shining, but also it's hard to give up on something that you love doing so much. I would have done it for free for more years than I had to. Right. That is my dream to find something like that because I've been on a quest to try and get to my, like kind of try to get to know myself a little bit better. So I relate so much to you, but what stands out to me is that you found your niche. You found what works for you so that your work doesn't actually feel like work anymore. So what did you have to over overcome to get to that place? So at this point, I really wanted to hear more about her difficulties and her struggle to fit in. Because fitting in has always been something that I've put a lot of effort towards. And this isn't just in my work. It's like in social situations and finding friends and different relationships throughout my life. I've had that feeling a lot in my life where I felt like, eh, you know, this isn't quite right for me. But more commonly, my thought goes to, what's wrong with me that I have to work so hard at conforming and fitting in? I have this, it must not be you, it's me complex. So what I really wanted to know was how did she figure it out that it wasn't her, that it was actually the circumstances? There were seeds of this idea coming from a lot of different places. And I think that's how the universe works, where it'll give you a little hint or a little push towards something. 
And most of us ignore those on a day-to-day basis. And so then these little hints become louder knocks. And then it's like the universe just pushing you off a cliff. So there were times when I was working in a job and then the company shut down. (laughs) And I probably would have stayed in a job I didn't like even longer. There were times when all of a sudden my... I was just telling people I was the happiest I'd ever been, but I was partying too much. And then in the same week, I crashed my car, my landlord sold our place, and then another company shut down. (laughs) It was like, okay, by that time, everyone's like, oh my gosh, aren't you freaking out? And I'm like, well, this has happened before, and I feel like the universe has a plan. So I got good at really bouncing back from the bigger things, but oftentimes it's those little things that we're used to ignoring because people have become accustomed to this dull pain of dissatisfaction in their lives. And we think that that's normal but they don't really see that there's a whole nother way to live. And so what's really helpful is one thing that I always encourage people to do is to hone their circle of influence. And so you can do this both physically and digitally. Whenever I'm starting something new, like for example, say I want to start a podcast or say I want to launch a course after I already have a podcast, I'll make a spreadsheet of a bunch of people that are doing the exact same thing that I want to do both far along and then people that are just a few steps ahead of me. And I'll go on Facebook and I'll add them as a friend. A lot of times if they don't know you, they won't friend you back, but you end up following their public posts and you can put see first or you go on Instagram and and you follow those people and comment on their stuff and you just engage with the people that are a few steps ahead of you. This way you have this goal of seeing, oh, when I'm a millionaire, that's what I, that's what's possible for me. It's really motivating. But then you also have a, a few people that are, have just started and are maybe are sharing vulnerably. So that's a, a big thing is honing your circle of influence, find different groups locally of people that are doing something similar, find some of your friends that you can at least openly share with. And I know that it's a lot more difficult when you're first becoming an entrepreneur because back then I had no friends that were entrepreneurs. But the thing is, is through acting and through participating and do all, doing all these things and having podcast guests, you end up finding yourself in different groups. And then all of a sudden, all of your friends are doing the same thing and everything seems so possible that you don't realize, you forget how you even used to think. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is so important. And then another thing is to be really intentional about tracking all of your wins. Our brain has a negativity bias. And so if you are just going through the day to day, you will have little wins every day. It could be something as simple as one person signing up for your email list or getting an extra like on a post or getting a guess that you didn't think you were going to get. Throughout the month, it's funny, I lost my structure for a while and I stopped tracking my wins and celebrating my little successes. And I just felt really low. I was like, I feel stuck. I'm not making any progress. And I'm like, well, I've also lost my structure. And so I sat down and wrote all of the wins from the last month, searching my emails, like asking my husband what he remembered. And suddenly I'm like, whoa, I've made so much progress, but I wasn't able to feel that. And so a lot of times we'll have our, our goal that's far into the future. It's like setting your GPS destination and say you're driving from California to Maine. Like you're not thinking about Maine the whole time. You've got to zoom back in and realize the next turn is a right turn. And so when we're in the day to day, we forget the big picture. And so it's this constant push and pull of reminding ourselves of that, of celebrating the little successes, enjoying the the progress that you're making. Because even when you get to that goal, you're going to make a new goal and you're always just in progress. So if you can't find ways to have fun during that or to celebrate that, then 
a lot of times it's, well, it's really easy to just get discouraged and want to quit and not realize how far you've actually come. So it's a lot of intention, but it's also really fun in figuring out what works for you because we're all different. And so what makes you feel good? when you are tracking these things? Is it writing it in a journal? Is it putting on a little piece of paper and putting it in a jar? And then when you're having a low moment, just pick something out of the jar and remind yourself of something fun. There's so many fun ways to do this. And so if you can sprinkle those little surprises in throughout the journey, you'll just have a lot better of a time making it. Right. That negativity bias is a huge thing for me specifically because I'm really good at throwing myself into like a big, scary goal and working through my fear. A lot of my friends have described me as being fearless. So, you know, you're so brave. You do this and you do that. And I find it laughable because I have a ton of fears, but I don't want that to hold me back. So I push myself and I'm super guilty of not enjoying the process along the way at all. It's like, I want to get here so bad and I'm going to struggle, struggle, struggle. And I don't celebrate or even notice those little wins through my negative filter that I have. So I love those ideas of how to make more of a conscious effort to shift that because on some level, I know that I don't need to make things so hard for myself. You know, it was starting to seem like it's not even possible for me to enjoy the journey. I've just, I've done this so many times and I accomplished the goal. But again, I miss out on the joy of the process. I don't have fun along the way. I'm super guilty of that. So making space to look for and celebrate those small steps and accomplishments is something that I know that I definitely need to do more of. But what happens when you start to feel stuck? Like, I had issues, but I didn't really know why. Like, why would I procrastinate so much or self-sabotage or, you know, let the clutter build up so much that I couldn't even think straight in my office or my house? So it took me a really long time to learn about limiting beliefs, like, I didn't even know what that was. So, you know, I learned. It turns out that sometimes our own behaviors are driven by these underlying beliefs that we have, and we might not even know that we have them. So can you talk more about what a limiting belief even is and how to know if you have them or if we have them? For sure. Well, basically, our beliefs are always kind of ruling our lives. What you will be willing to do is based on what you believe is possible in the world and also possible for you. And so that is one of the reasons why that circle of influence is such a big deal is because a lot of times it's hard to really change what we believe is possible for us before we start seeing what's possible for other people. And so then it's like marrying those two things of like, well, why am I capable of that as well? And so I spoke to a psychologist once who talked about how there are a few different aspects of, of how we can figure that out for ourselves. First of all, find people who around you who can do it or see that it's been done before, then find people like you that's done that because that's when you'll start to believe like, Oh, that's possible for me. And then figure out what process 
has been that you can actually believe will get you there. So those are the three steps that I normally like to go. But the, the difficult part is discovering what limiting beliefs we even have, because sometimes there's these subconscious fears that are driving us, but they're not right at the surface, actually most of the time. And when you first start doing the work to process this, it's like an onion. You will be peeling back for your entire life. So the more comfortable you get with the process, the more you are just kind of working out your own kinks of things that you developed in this life, if you believe in past lives or even ancestral things. Like you don't realize how much maybe what your parents believed to be true affected you because of the little comments they made when you were four and your brain was just a sponge. So whenever you feel a negative or a positive emotion, that is uncovering a belief. And so I believe that your beliefs are never right or wrong. They're either beneficial or they're limiting. So when you're feeling a negative emotion, there's a limiting belief there, no matter what it is. And so I have a process of working through that where basically you figure out what that event was, what, what actually triggered that emotion. So maybe you're ready to post something online or you're going and ready to edit a podcast episode, or maybe it's something bigger, like starting at all. And all of a sudden you feel fear or you feel upset or you feel anger or you see what somebody else is posting and you're triggered by it. And you're like, why is she posting about this? <laughs> Whatever it is, it's never about other people. It's always about you. And so if you can take that and just work, work through the process of like, what just happened? What emotions were stirred? Is this, uh, is it positive or negative? What were the initial thoughts that you attracted due to these emotions? Did you have need to control it? When you answer these questions and just get really curious about your own emotions and what's holding you back and you do it on paper, it unfolds things that you didn't even realize that you were feeling. And so anytime I've actually been doing this process through the lockdown, uh, very intentionally every single day. So at the end of every day, I've been going through this list of like, okay, did I feel a negative emotion today? What was that tied to? Uh, why did I think that that was wrong? If I could fix it, how would I fix it? What is the limiting belief that made me believe that this was wrong? Because I believe that everything happens for a reason. So even this pandemic, it's happening for a reason. The reason might be different for all of us. And that might just that belief might trigger some people, but that's not my problem. And so for me, I'm looking at it like, okay, well, all of a sudden I have a new priority. I have, um, I could think of it as like, oh my gosh, the economy's down. We're not allowed to leave our houses. There's all this bad stuff about it. Or I could write down, if I knew with, for a shadow of a doubt that this was the best thing that could happen to me, what would those reasons look like? And suddenly it's, I have more time. I got a clearer guide to what I should do next. It might seem that these options are no longer on the table, but really it's just narrowed down to this one option. So now I'm very clear on where I need to go. It's allowing our planet to be healthier. It's doing this and write every single reason why this is the best thing that could have happened. And this can be done with the smallest little things. It could be that you were triggered by something or that um, you spilled juice all over your computer. Like it could be anything. And when you do that process habitually, 
it's crazy the weight that kind of comes off of you and the conscious changes that you start to make along the way. But I think that when you're doing that in real time, rather than just being like, okay, what are my limiting beliefs? Because they'll be the, the standard things that come up, but there's so many subconscious things that are going to be running our lives forever, but this is a lifelong process. And so I'm, it's one of the reasons why I'm grateful for this lockdown because I am, I have the time suddenly to do this every single day. And the improvements that I'm feeling just in my own vibration are proof to me that it's working. Yeah. And with the situation that's been going on now with the virus, and I feel terrible for the people who've been negatively impacted and everything. But for me, this has been a bit of a blessing because it forced me to see what I have and it's given me more time to explore my beliefs and to do things that I've been wanting to do, you know, things that have been on my list for a long time. So yeah, for me, it's made me go inside more than I ever really wanted to. So, you know, I'm so used to trying to control conditions and because I'm in a condition that I feel like I have zero control over right now, it's almost like, it's like it's a relief. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing that I can do. So, and I know that sounds bad, but anyways. No, it's not. And that's the thing is, so because there's so much visibility, so many of us are like, well, if I say this, it might not resonate with these people over here. But that's the beauty of what we are doing, of the fact that you can find anything online. Because I have my experience and that's what I'm speaking to. For me to go speak to this other experience that I know nothing about isn't serving anyone. And so if those people wanna come and feel triggered, that's up to them. It hasn't happened. This fear that I'm worried about somebody lashing out and being like, oh my gosh, this is so much harder. It's happened like twice in doing two years of of two and a half years of podcasting to a very public platform. And each time I respond kindly with, I'm, I'm like, I'm speaking to my experience. Uh, it's also <laughs> just the other day, I actually wrote somebody was triggered by something in the morning, mind love that had a completely different intention. And I was like, you know, it's also another act of self-love to, it was about overspending on Amazon. And it was kind of a cheeky way of being like, just note, you don't need anything from Amazon today. And somebody responded back and they were like, as somebody who has trouble buying things for themselves, um, it was kind of triggering to me. I normally love these. And I'm like, you know, it's also a really good act of self-love to work through your triggers because we're not responsible for each other's triggers. Our triggers are our own identifier that we have work to do there, that that's a wound, that there's something. But we shouldn't be worried about pleasing everyone. That's how you don't have a successful business because you're speaking to, when you speak to everyone, you speak to no one. But the more that you can just, show up authentically and say, maybe acknowledge, I acknowledge that other people are struggling, but this is how I, what I can speak to right now. There's plenty of people in your exact same position. And those are the people that you're speaking to in that moment. And so that's what it's like to really figure out how to be authentic. And even with the fears of like podcasting or whatever you're going through, where some people think that you have it all together and you're fearless, those moments of you saying, I'm actually terrified for this one, or this is why I'm really nervous right now, or I, I get caught up on this, this, and this. 
that's when people are like, oh my gosh, it is possible versus she's different than me. And so I'm not going to learn what I need to learn for my own life because she's got it all together. That doesn't really help people. And that's why vulnerability is so powerful. Mm. So it's okay if I tell everybody that I feel like I'm going to throw up in my mouth just because I'm interviewing <laughs> you right now. People love that. <laughs> oh, I'll edit that out. Um, I'd keep it. (laughs) (laughs) I do want to go back to one thing that you said, though, in terms of um, you were looking at your triggers and things and you said, put them on paper. Mm -hmm. So do you think that it's really important that you actually are writing them out and journaling them? It doesn't have to be written, but I would recommend getting out of your head in some way. So this is why therapy works for some people. That's not my chosen mode of healing. I like to do things on my own. I have this like complex where I feel like I'm two steps ahead of the person that I'm talking to half the time. And I'm like, I already know what you're going to say. I can help myself with this. So I like to journal. Uh, Other people might use it as a conversation with their loved one, like their partner or a good friend or use a voice recorder. There's a bunch of different ways to do this. I like writing because my hand goes slower than my thoughts and it forces me to kind of slow down. And you don't realize that things are really tangled up. So a lot of times there'll be something holding me back, but the moment that I actually address what's the real fear here, it's like, oh, I just said that out loud and it doesn't make as much sense where it was completely holding me back for years in my head. And so because I follow a specific process of, of, actually writing out like what is this limiting belief and if it's ever a negative emotion which is a limiting belief a positive emotion is a beneficial belief I'll still do another paragraph of proving it true or false so if it's a limiting belief I do the next paragraph of list as many reasons as possible of why that belief that limiting belief is false if it's a beneficial one those are kind of like tracking your wins it's like oh I believed that I was lucky in this moment example the other day I was in Big Bear in the mountains with my husband and we drove up two hours just to do a day trip. And I lost, I left my purse while we were taking photos. It was out in the open with like $400 worth of stuff in it for hours by itself. And we were an hour down the mountain when I realized this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was so funny because I just told somebody the other day, I was like, I'm, I used to lose stuff all the time back when I was kind of a bad person. (laughs) And now that I'm like, I've got like karma on my side, I never lose things. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, well, it's gotta be there. It's gotta be there. And so we went back and it actually was still there and it was miraculous. We drove two hours out of our way by then, but whatever. And so I, I spent time reflecting on that moment. And the beneficial belief was that karma was on my side and I wrote all of the reasons from past experiences, from beliefs now to seal that in as why that was true. And so you could do that with your beneficial beliefs to strengthen those at the same time. And that's why I like writing it down though, because I follow that process every single time. Hmm. Yeah. I think that would actually be really helpful for me too, because I'm in my head a lot and my thoughts are just spinning. So I like the idea that it makes you slow down a little Mm -hmm. bit because I do. I mean, I write particularly slow because I have a, and I learned this in occupational therapy school, I have a dysfunctional hand grasp. <laughs> I do too. 
Oh my gosh. I, I like write like a little kid, my thumbs in the wrong place. And it was funny. I remember back in school, people were like, you are, you know, you're not going to be able to go on to third grade. If you keep holding your pen like that, I'm like, I'm still holding right. my pen like this. When I was in school, they didn't even know. They didn't recognize it. You know, the dynamic tripod, nobody was telling me that it was wrong. So I had no idea, but yes, to this day, my handwriting is still atrocious, but you know, I'm over it. But I'm so guilty of trying to figure out what my limiting beliefs are and where they came from. And I know you mentioned, you know, who knows where it came from in terms of your parents or your past lives or whatever it is, because I can remember being a super little kid and having body image issues and, you know, like things that a little, little kid shouldn't be thinking about. So do you really have to know where it came from? Like, do you need to uncover where this came from? Or is that helpful at all? Because everything you're talking about sounds like this happened today, you know, and you're in the moment. And I guess that makes more sense. Mm -hmm. So does it really matter where it came from? Do you always have to try and figure it out? Or It's funny, I've asked the same question before, because I've gone through the same thing. And I think there have been times where I've noticed something. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. That's where it came from. But I don't think that it always matters, especially if it's inhibiting where you're going. And so if, if you can get to the place of wondering why it matters so much to you, for me, there was certain times where it's like I wanted a reason for the things that I was doing or like I wanted, and maybe there was even an aspect of like, then I'd have somebody to blame or I don't know. And so that is giving my power away to that situation. And so for a lot for me has been actually figuring out what I need to do to move through it now. And through that process, more of that history has un uncovered a little bit more naturally. But I found that whenever I'm putting pressure on myself, whether it's like, oh my gosh, I must find my purpose. That's all of a sudden when you're in a contracting mode, you're in stress and you're not in receiving mode. So you're not going to have those inspiring ideas. It's been more through like deep meditations that I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> I remember that one moment. And the funny thing is, is so many times these big traumas that we think like, oh, oh my gosh, like something really bad must have happened when I was a kid. A lot of the times it's something so small that you already know what it is but you're not allowing yourself to believe that that was the thing that really caused all of this negative reaction. And so allow it to come, but don't pressure yourself to find it because it might be so small that you're not even seeing it. Yeah. And I, some things I have become clear and, I, and I'm not blaming my parents for anything. I know that their intentions are always good, but they do have a way of wanting to educate me. And I say that in quotes because I tend to be naive and to be trusting of other people. But um, so I think they want me to have this realistic view of life and where the dangers are. Like, for example, I was going to go to Guatemala for a school trip when I was in college and we were going to be with these Mayan weavers and I was so excited about it. And my parents did what parents should do. They asked a ton of questions and were super interested, like they should be. Where are you going? Who are you going to be staying with? Blah, blah, blah. Met with the instructors. I know they didn't quite want me to go because they were afraid of the area and the exposure. So they would do this thing where they'd be super supportive, like they'd buy me a camera for Christmas so that I could take it on that trip. 
but they'd wrap it in a news article about a bunch of students on a school bus that got raped and murdered, you know, like (laughs) near that area. (laughs) So it's like this weird, go ahead and do it, (laughs) but you better watch out, you know? So I think I always have that kind of going on, which... I know their intentions are good and they've always been super supportive of me, but that's always kind of in the back of my head when I'm making decisions. So like these things come up now, like, well, obviously I'm afraid, but it's interesting too, though, because there's so much power in being the pioneer for your own lineage. And this idea was really motivating for me when I figured it out, because there's one thing to be like, well, yeah, of course. My mom did this, this, and this. Like, I've got plenty of things. <laughs> and, and then it's like, oh, I'm just destined to be this way. But when I started to look at it as, why was she that way? And now she's making me this way, or that's how I was viewing it. No one's making you anything. But now this has influenced me in some aspects. Do I want it to influence the next generation? Or do I have the power to say this stops here with me and feel how expansive that feels in my body? Mm-hmm. And that idea of like, what am I, what I'm doing for the future, it going beyond me was just really helpful to, it was something of a catalyst of just stop, to stop being the victim of my own circumstances, I guess. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm coming to realize that a lot. You know, I go back and forth with, okay, who can I blame? (laughs) (laughs) We all do. (laughs) This couldn't be my fault. But it's way more empowering to know that you do have some control over this. And I do think that as I work through some of this stuff or people work through some of their own crap, I think that does kind of spread to their kids. Like when you release it, it's almost like you're doing that service for the next generation to come. Just like you said. So another thing I'm hoping you can talk about is how do you know? So I'm trying to learn how to trust my own intuition and I have a hard time knowing whether, you know, when you get that sinking feeling in your heart or your gut, like something's wrong, how do you know the difference between is this an intuitive message that I should be paying attention to or is this a limiting belief that's triggering an emotion? I just have a heck of a time distinguishing between those two things and then I'll constantly question my decisions about it. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. It's a It's a game that you play with yourself. The more that you again, go back and forth. Like there's going to be plenty of times that you, that it is an intuitive pull and you do the opposite. What I found though, is that nothing bad really happens if you don't listen to your intuition. I don't really think of anything as bad ever. You might get a harder knock at the door. And so again, your intuition, uh, Paul Selig says the small self thinks and assumes and the true self knows. And so I used to have that exact same problem so much. I'm like, well, what is my fear and what's my gut instinct telling me to avoid? What I've found is if there's ever fear involved, look through it and ask yourself where the fear is coming from. Like if all of a sudden it's like, don't turn right and you're in a bad neighborhood, maybe listen. But if, if your goal is to go over in that direction and that's been a goal for a long time and then you just feel yourself, I'm not sure I want to walk into that building, it's different. And so it depends on the moment. And so 
Sometimes maybe the fear is great enough that you do step back, but you'll get another knock. It doesn't just go away. If it's a deep passion or if it's a deep journey that your soul came here for. And so that's why it's like, when you're, when you listen to it, you start to get into this flow where it feels like you're flowing with the stream instead of swimming up it. And you get better at realizing your own signals. And then it starts to feel different. But in the beginning, it's kind of like learning a language where somebody's talking at you in Spanish and they all sound like the same word. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, in the beginning, there might be more of the calibration, but if you keep that goal in mind, whatever it might be that you're going towards, and then you listen and say you did the air quote wrong thing or, and you let fear hold you back, you'll get another idea on how to get there if you keep your eye on that. But then sometimes you might get this pull of like, is this really what I want anymore? But dig into that, journal about it. Ask yourself the reasons why. Is it, if it's that you're afraid to put yourself out there, what will people think? And it's things outside of yourself, then you're probably letting fear hold you back. But if it's that, on my journey, I discovered this and this feels so right. And oh my gosh, I'm being pulled this direction. Then that goal was just a stepping stone to get you to this goal. And so play with that, go with it for a little bit. If you hate it, you can always go back to the first one. And so life is just a game. And I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to follow the right signals. But again, if your main goal is to just figure out who you are and what's right for you, then it'll just be a constant calibration on getting there. And you might take the long route, but that's okay. That means that it took the long route for you to get there. It, you needed that for you to accept the, the hand to pull you in or whatever it is. So there's never a point in beating yourself up or in fearing that you'll choose wrong because it's just part of your journey of the human that you're in, what that person needs to connect with the soul on the other side. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I think that slower route could be the more enjoyable route instead of just trying to force yourself through to that larger goal and then beating yourself up along the way. Not that I (laughs) know that from experience or anything, (laughs) but yeah, all paths lead to the same outcome, I think. So what advice do you have for people who are feeling stuck in that inaction or stuck in a negative pattern and how can they move through it? Or people who really want to make that leap of faith and try something new, but they're not sure they're ready because it never seems like a good idea yet. Like it's, it's not the right time or whatever the excuse might be at the time. What would you say to people who want to step out of their comfort zone a little bit, but are really hesitating because of that fear? I'm a big fan of starting things on the side. And what I like to do is build evidence for your own success or for what it feels like to live into your passion. And so if you're doing something on the side, but you're trying to keep up with some schedule that you promise yourself you would, and it's taking away from your time with your family and it's stressing you out and you're not sleeping enough, dial it back. Again, it's for you to feel what it feels like to do something that you love. So carve out time for yourself, but It might take calibration in the beginning of being like, okay, maybe I can't do three hours every single day. Maybe I'll do an hour on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever it might be, and start to play in it. For me, Mind Love started as a side project. And in about three months, I was like, I think this is what I want to do. It was just such a different feeling and it was so rewarding. And I started to trust myself more. And so if you, first of all, just dip your toe in and you start to play in it a little bit, 
And then through it, you do all those things that we talked about of like, wow, I made progress here. And you wrote it down and you got excited about that. And you felt into the gratitude of what you are creating. It builds momentum on what's actually possible. And what happens then too, is you might not see the full path, but when you're in it, then doors start to open or opportunities come or you meet somebody who gave you another seed. And so it's all about, it's like being on a scavenger hunt for your own life. And so when you follow those, you plant the seeds and you follow where it leads and all of that, those things and intentional about watching your progress to defeat that negativity bias, you will get bigger ideas and you might then get more courage to take an extra leap or to quit altogether. It's different for everybody. I know some people who are like, I'm starting my own thing and I know I need to clip everything else off. So I feel that this is the only option. And then I know people who started their main gig as a side job that lasted 10 years. So again, there's never a one way for people. It's all about figuring out what it takes to get your human onto that path that you really want to be at. And it's going to be different for everyone. Right. Yeah. You don't have to take that big leap and then burn the ship. Small (laughs) incremental steps along the way are just fine. And sometimes when it's necessary, the universe will do that for you. That's the thing that's crazy is like there were, there was times that I spent way too long and the universe always did that for me. Mm -hmm. But the difficult part is, is when you really have that soul's calling and you keep ignoring it again, those knocks get louder or the, the universe burns the ship for you. And then it's a more uncomfortable process Mm -hmm. than if you just did it on your own. Right. That could be a whole other episode about the universe eclipsing things out of your life that you don't need anymore. (laughs) If it's okay, I'd like to end with one last question because it sounds like you found your niche with what you're doing, like doing what you love. So do you really feel free in your life now in all areas? Yes and no. I think it's always a journey. So there's moments that I can feel myself feeling stuck. But whereas before I used to think that I was stuck, now I'm like, oh, what can I learn here? And so through that, it's overall this sense of freedom because I know that I have the power to kind of dig into my own shit and figure it out and process things in a way that I've learned over time and I'm still learning. And so, yes, there's always this sense of freedom and I'm always so grateful when I'm reminded of it, but that doesn't mean that there's not moments of fallback the whole time. And there's not, doesn't mean that I don't have these full on weeks sometimes where I'm just in such a low place and I'm like, how am I teaching any of this stuff if <laughs> only my listeners saw me right now? And then I'm like, hold on a second what can I do to get out of this? And sometimes for me, it's sharing. I did that through the lockdown, like week five, all of a sudden I was like blazing through weeks one through four. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. And then all of a sudden I was like, low drank like a bottle of wine a night for like four days in a row. And I was like, Oh my God, nobody better see this. And then I was like, I'm actually just going to do an Instagram live about it instead. And for me, that's, that's always really freeing because I, part of my personal journey is holding on to shame. And so back then when I would allow myself to spiral, it was because I was holding on to shame. And the moment I started to release those, and for some people it might be sharing it with the world or one person or nobody and just processing it yourself, but, but giving yourself the compassion to see it in a new light, 
letting go of those like boulders that you've been carrying around has this sense of freedom for me. And so I did that. I just shared vulnerably and suddenly all these things that were holding me back weren't necessarily there anymore. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a process for everyone to figure out what it takes to kind of release that for yourself and to not expect to be perfect and to realize all the people on Instagram that look perfect they're having those same shit days. So um, that's why I think it's so powerful to just share with people what's actually going on because it doesn't make people see less of you. It makes people relate to you more because what I've learned from sharing everything is we're all going through the same stuff, maybe a different version of it, maybe the same. We all, all tend to feel the same kind of shame regardless of what it is. And so when you realize that you're not really alone, that alone is freeing. So yes, mm-hmm. And no, but a resounding yes. (laughs) Right. And you have the tools to work through the times when it might be no. So that helps a lot too, I'm sure. I really Mm -hmm. want to thank you for coming on the show. It's a huge honor for me because I respect your insights and love what you're doing with your podcast. I used to have an hour commute to work, so I listened to a lot of podcasts. But since leaving, I've really scaled back. But Mind Love is still one of my favorites I keep coming back to. So how can people find you and follow along with you if the things you're saying are really resonating with people? Like, How do people find you? You can search for my podcast on any podcast platform, Mind Love, two words. My website's mindlove.com on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. And I also have a daily inspirational email list that just sends some little words of inspiration. It's like a little oracle for your day. And just text the word morning to 33777. Well, I hope that you enjoyed our conversation. I And I hope that you had as many insights as I did from our conversation. I think she's really great. And I'm a subscriber to the Morning Mind Love too. So it's a great way to start the day on a positive note, you know, instead of going right into opening the news or something like that. So uh, so I would recommend following along with her Morning Mind Love too. But after we had this conversation, I really, it's been helpful for me to do the podcast and to go through this interview because I had to edit it and listen to it again and again. And so I really got to hear all of the the techniques that she provided and I got to take notes and really kind of listen again just to reinforce everything. So here's what I've done. Afterwards, I started just paying more attention to those things that I've been triggered by. So scrolling through social media, things that started to get me anxious or that I started to have a negative emotional response and just paying attention to those things and then journaling on them too. You know, everything from experiences like just the fact of how nervous I was to interview her and she's so easy to talk to, but I really had a lot of anxiety about it before the interview started and during the interview. Uh, And so I journaled on that and what my limiting beliefs were in terms of feeling worthy and feeling ready and that, you know, not feeling smart enough or that I was there yet. And it's funny because I'd never, I wouldn't have even asked her for the interview. She offered 
because it's a long story, but she, she had offered like a little mini free coaching thing for something else that I had signed up for. And in our conversation, she had offered to do the interview and I never would have even asked her because I didn't really feel like I was at that level yet. So how many other things have I been missing out on just because I am afraid to ask and not even afraid to ask. I just didn't feel like I was worthy of the interview. I didn't feel like I was ready for it. Those little things that we don't jump on or those little opportunities that we don't see that are always there, I have a habit of ignoring. <laughs> and and I do think it comes from that fact of that I, you know, I don't feel like I'm ready. I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm uncomfortable, even though I'm doing it on a daily basis. I I'm choosing which things that are in my comfort zone on the edge of it and which things that I just, I don't feel worthy of yet. So that was really eye-opening for me just to kind of journal on those experiences and really take the time to write things down. Right after the interview too, the whole situation with George Floyd and the racial tensions and just scrolling through Facebook and seeing, you know, what comments I'm triggered by from different people and journaling on that and realizing some of the shame that I'm holding on to from my history, from things that I said or done in the past, the way you make people feel around you that you don't even have a sense of, or I didn't even have a sense of at the time that were unintentionally hurtful. It's difficult to do this kind of work. Look inside yourself and let these things come up and let these things come up and out because it it is like, she said something about like shame is like carrying around boulders. It just weighs you down. And it's funny, I had a dream right after this and in my dream, I had all these plants. I was in a forest and I had all these potted plants that I was trying to carry around And I had planted them and I had put all this work into it and I didn't want to let them go. But the only way to get out of the forest was I had to like ride down this waterfall and I didn't want to let go of all the work that I had done with potting these plants. And it just reminded me so much of her analogy with the boulders, like I'm carrying all this stuff around and there are some things that you just have to let go. And that includes a lot of guilt and shame and fear that I know that I've been holding on to in a lot of different areas of my life, not just talking about the racial tensions. It's just that's on my mind a lot lately because of what's everything that's going on and trying to be more conscious as to where I can contribute to make a greater change as well. So the other thing that I realized after listening again, I thought it was a great idea to start tracking my wins because that is something that I've really struggled with. And of course, that is the one thing that I didn't make a priority. I went right into looking at those limiting beliefs and my triggers and journaling on that. But I realized I really do need to start tracking my wins because of course... That's where my attention habitually goes to, figuring out what's wrong versus celebrating all the good things that are going on at the same time. So now I have my jar that I've been writing things down, just little 
They can be really small, just small celebrations like I finished this today or I started my garden or whatever it might be. You know, just tracking those wins, a few things every day and putting them into that. Gosh, it's like a, a vase, I guess. It's a pretty little vase that I got a long time ago that have just, it's been holding pens. So now it has a new purpose. And that is to help me to track those positive things that are happening in my life. I really hope that you found this as helpful as I found this conversation. Um, if you want to share your some of your wins or some of your big takeaways from the episode, I would love to hear from you and even share it on the show. So if you want to share something, uh, please call. It's a Google Voice number, 216-202-5050. And let me know what you think of the episode. Also, please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you can follow along with what's going to come up next week. Thanks, everybody. See you next week.